And you know what? I wear a lot of stress and like a lot of weight in this business because you're the difference between somebody losing a house right, or getting the house. And you can put somebody in a position where they're losing a $20,000 deposit and open themselves up to a lawsuit if you do a bad job. Right. Like you are the difference between them living their dream or you making their nightmare come true. <laughs> like, right? like I wear this weight because like it's real. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Welcome to ILMB Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a new rookie who's making waves in the industry and see how succeeding in today's ultra-competitive market. Today on the show, I have Tyler Stiller, and this guy is crushing it. Unbelievable, actually. So he actually had applied to be in my first $5 million program where we helped some agents get to their first $5 million, but honestly... He didn't need it by the sounds of it. So he set a goal to fund 12 mortgages in his first 12 months, and he ended up funding 67 mortgages. Don't worry. On this episode, I get him to break down specifically where all of his business came from. So what he did, fantastic conversation. He was a CPA prior to becoming a mortgage broker and just jumped in with both feet and very inspiring story. A couple of other things that I love about this conversation, he talks about a deal that he, a kind of a mess that happened on a file and what he learned from it and why getting documents up front is so critical. So if you guys are struggling with this, you need to listen to this story. Yeah, it's just a fantastic conversation. Also, in the Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Ben McCabe about using reverse mortgage for a living inheritance. Before we jump into that, though, I want to give a shout out to my title sponsor, Finmo. So Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, and submission platform. And it's connected to something called Lender Spotlight, which is one of the tools that Tyler was talking about, says you absolutely need to use as a mortgage broker. So Lender Spotlight is this ability to search all the lender rates and guidelines and be able to help you navigate quickly what lending options are best or available to your client. So Finmo is connected directly into that. So it's really easy for you to take that application and then basically shop it. So check them out at finmo.ca and check out this conversation with Tyler. Hey, Tyler, welcome to the show. Good morning, Scott. How's it going today? Fantastic, man. So tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business. Cool. So I'm born, raised in London, Ontario. I'm 30 years old now. My wife and I have been married for eight years. We got three children, six and three and two. Our oldest is in grade one now. I'm a CPA. I got my CPA in 2015 and I've been working in the mortgage industry for about 12 months now. I decided to get in the mortgage industry for a couple of reasons. So since we've been married, my wife and I, we've bought four properties together. So three are rentals. We have another one under contract now. I was working with a major bank and the mobile mortgage specialist, he would never answer his phone. He didn't have his voicemail set up. He would never answer text messages and he wouldn't answer his emails. I'd have to call his assistants, get an answer. And then I get a call from him saying, please don't call my assistants. And it was just like the most frustrating thing. I had no idea what was going on. If my properties were going to close or anything on the last property I bought, he called me 15 days prior to closing and said, underwriter determined it's a student rental. You're going to have to put 35% down instead of 20% down. So I got it closed. And in the meantime, I found out this guy does about 40 files a month. So he's extremely busy. And I was thinking to myself, holy smokes, like if this guy can do this much business with this bad of an experience for the customers, like I can do it so much better than him. So that was like one thing that I just was like, man, if he can do it, I can do it better. Right. And, and the light went on. You're like, wait a second. How is it possible that with this level of service, he's closing 48 files a month? And right. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 
So, okay, you go to school to be a CPA, but was there any part of you that's like, oh man, like, you know, this education piece, is it going to be, or how did that feel? Yeah, I actually went and got my CPA because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I went to college and did business courses and numbers stuck. I like doing numbers. And then I ended up getting into business with my family. They have an insurance business and I was their accountant for a couple of years. So that education, it was good for that. And, and it is good now still, it's useful yes. as a mortgage broker to have a really good understanding of that. So I'm just curious though, because you go from a CPA job, which I'm pretty sure was, you had a salary of some kind, right? Yes. And commission. What did your wife think? You're like, Hey, oh, by the way, I'm going to go be commissioned. What was she thinking with three kids to boot? You know what? And my wife doesn't work either. So, and my wife is a saint. So she just fully trusts me. It was last year we were having a rough patch relationship wise in our family business. And we were hashing some things out one day, me and my family. And I came home to my wife and I said, you know what? Times are changing. And I think it's time to move on. And again, she is just a saint and a rock. And she just trusts me full heartedly. So she had no concerns. I think I was the one panicking inside. But right. obviously putting on a strong face, going from a nice salary to, to zero dollars. Yes, to who knows what with zero guarantees on anything. Yeah. So that, so, yeah, it was definitely scary. Did you go full-time, part-time? Everybody does it differently. So did you just go, okay, I'm done CPA, full-time mortgages, or was it a transition? What that looked like? So it was about September last year. And I decided, you know what, times need to change and I need to move on and have a new career. So I went and got my course done in October. And my plan was to dip my feet into the business. And I told my family that I'm leaving the business in, I think, November. And I told them, well, you know what, why don't we give it six months? And I can help you transition to the next person and I can, you know, transition myself out. We decided that lingering that long wasn't a good idea. So I was basically done in three weeks with them. And so essentially I started full time into the business. Just I'm curious, is your relationship with your family better now that you're not working together directly? 100%. Right. Yes. And you know what? They sell insurance. So I actually work with their office yeah. with some deals and stuff. And yeah, no, our relationship's so much cleaner. Right. Yeah, that's really good, man. So was there any point that you questioned your, I might have made the right call? Have any of those or, yeah. Oh my goodness. Someone on your podcast once said it, and I don't want to repeat it, but just how brutal it is to learn everything. I remember the first four months, I thought I'd have a deal on the go. You think you have a slam dunk deal. And then all of a sudden you learn a brand new rule and your deal falls apart. You got to fumble it back together. And it was like the most frustrating thing for the first four months, like doing all the underwriting. I didn't realize how to do the compliance stuff is drinking from a fire hose to get started. And those first four months were brutal. I think I closed maybe three deals in the first three months yeah. or that for those first four months. So those first four months, I went from a single, like a salary, we're a single income family to hundred percent commission, burning all my past bridges as like, holy smokes, what did I do? The first four months were extremely stressful. So when did it start to click? So at what point you're like, oh, wait a second. I think this is going to work. When did that happen? In April, during those first four months, I had, I think, four deals line up in June. And they were broker complete at that point, too. So I was just like, holy smokes, in June, I'm going to make more money than I did like in a quarter last year. Right. And at that point, I was like, wow, this is insane how much money you can make. And like, you can kind of line up your deals. Like when you can get a deal and it's broker complete for almost two months, that's when I put it all together. And then June, July, August, September, October, November, like were unbelievable months for me. Like the snowball just started going. And at that point I was like, wow, this is 
like a magical industry. You're like, ah, I found the holy grail. Okay, so what was your goal when you got into this for that first year? I'm curious, what was your goal? My goal was to do one file a month and make about $60,000. I figured if I could do that, I keep my family afloat. And that's all I wanted to do for my first year. So, so not put us any further. How many did you end up doing? So I ended up closing 67 deals, which turns out to be about 30 million. So what did your wife think of that? Yeah, I'm curious. She's, yeah, she's pretty proud. Mm -hmm. Like working in a family business, like it's has pros and cons, just like anything. But she was trying to encourage me for years that maybe I should go out and do something on my own. And I've always had some ambitious goals. Honestly, I don't know if I'd say she was surprised. I think like she believes in me, which is like, that's cool. The biggest blessing out there. So where did these files come from? So like, that's an unusually high number of business for somebody just from a cold start. Yeah. How does that break down? So of the 67, I had 11% come from a financial advisor, which is my brother. Yeah. He's been a great supporter of mine. I had 24% of my deals. So 15 deals came from realtors. I think I had three or four send some to me. Yeah. And then the rest of it was my network of people, my advertising. I did Facebook advertising and I was on some online forums and Facebook and all this stuff. So actually 65% of the deal came from people I know who referred me to people or my own advertising and actually going out and getting deals from people. So what percent from that 65 would be advertising versus your network? I closed about five to five and a half million from the advertising. And then from online forums and stuff, I closed another five million. So about 10 million. What do you mean by online forums? Like what kind of forum are we talking about? Is it a mortgage forum or is it just like a niche forum about a topic? It's real estate specific forums. So, and there's some Facebook groups, like local Facebook groups where people are buying houses and asking for mortgage brokers and stuff like that. So I've been able to pick up a couple deals and clients from there as well. And you're also a real estate investor, right? So prior to yes. this, so you have that sort of knowledge and background of, of what that looks like. Okay, so. Yes, 100%. That's helped because, yeah, I've been able to talk you can speak through some things. Okay, I, hey, I've been there with just like you. And so then that's good. So, okay, so you alluded on this about the first three months being brutal, but I always love if you can share a file that you lost when you started out, but now looking back, you're like, oh, dang, I would have played that totally differently <laughs> so that other people listening can learn from it. So can you share a file that you, you know, oh, without this one client name, but the more specific the details, the better, because then hopefully it sits in other people's brains for them to avoid. This, this one will haunt my nightmares forever. It was a referral from a friend of mine. He runs a business and one of his staff, new to Canada, was looking to buy their first house. Mm-hmm. So me and him were talking over the phone and like he would not send me any documents, which I have always heard. And from reading like the Dustin Woodhouse books, it's get the documents up front, mm-hmm. especially in today's market when everyone's going firm. And I didn't. I told him, I said, listen, I don't have your documents to verify this stuff, but like based on what you're telling me, this is what you should be good for. And I shouldn't have said that. Because it turns out he's not an employee. He's an independent contractor for six months. He was new to Canada. He let his visa expire. His wife's visa expired. So he got his visa back, his work visa. His wife lost the CCB income. And I got the deal actually from, yeah, from a friend. So the whole deal fell apart. Like he had 5% down payment. And it was just a nightmare. I had to call the poor guy and say, listen, there's literally no options for you. I think he ended up finding somebody to do like a private behind a private behind a private to get it done. But I wasn't interested in also putting someone in that situation. So that one is just, if I could say anything, it's like you have to get documents up front. Like you have to. 
So what, and what do you can, think, why do you think he's pushing you on the document thing? Why was he not wanting to do it? I think he's just unorganized, to be honest. Well, like, I letting, think he, he was letting his visa and stuff expire. Yeah. Just shows a yes. general, probably a mess of paperwork there. Yes. Uh, yeah. Let's just role play this for a second. So if I'm him and I'm like, hey, man, like, what would you say to me now? Like, what would that look like? My conversation. I would say, here's the list of documents I need from you. I cannot tell you anything. I cannot give you a pre-approval. I cannot give you any guidance until I see all these documents. Right. You don't stick your neck out. I mean, you know, right. at the end of the day or even put a client in a bad situation. That's really good. So anybody listening to this, listen to Tyler, right? Do not take the bait. They're going to tell you, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm an employee. No, you're not. All these things that you assume, all of it could unravel. Right. If you do it, you will eventually get burned. You may get away with it a couple of times and think, oh, it's no big deal. But the one time that you get burned, it's going to suck. You're probably like the stress of like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to fix this mess. And yeah. I can't, there's nothing you can do. And you know what? I wear a lot of stress and like a lot of weight in this business because you're the difference between somebody losing a house right, or getting the house. And you can put somebody in a position where they're losing a $20,000 deposit and open themselves up to a lawsuit if you do a bad job. Right. Like you are the difference between them living their dream or you making their nightmare come true. <laughs> like, right? like I wear this weight because like it's real. Yeah. It's and nice. this is why they pay us. Like, Yeah. That's why we get paid like doctors. The sad part is, though, I always say we get paid like surgeons with less training than hairstylists, which is so crazy. I'm sure your CPA training was probably significantly more extensive than what you got when you joined the mortgage business, right? Yeah, it was almost a joke. Yeah, it is kind of sad. But okay, so there's two distinct skills you got a master's in mortgage broker, sales and underwriting. Which one was harder for you? I say getting the new contacts and leads was not a problem for me. Underwriting definitely was the hardest part. Knowing what to, you know, you get an employment contract. So like, well, that doesn't work. It's like, you literally have to look through every single document. Like you can't just receive a document, send it in. I found that was the very hardest part. It's like, so if there's one thing on these documents, for example, I had a guy that sent me documents in his bank statements and it said money mart on in there. So if I didn't know better that that is a major red flag, that would have been a dead deal as well. Right. Like right. you just have to, with underwriting, I'm just so strict on like, you can't just fire anything off. Like everything has to be checked. Right. Which is part of the reason we exist as mortgage brokers is to help navigate them. It's like, I always think it's like a maze. And the other thing is a maze, but it's always changing. Oh, regulations change. This lender has a different set of rules. So the maze is like, our job is to help navigate it for a client. Again, hat tip to you for the success that you've had. And um, you've already hired an assistant. So that's smart. Too many people wait too long. And so, you know, 67 files. And if you, you know, do 100 next year, the best way to not pull your hair out although if you can't see you, but to not pull the rest of your hair out is uh, <laughs> is to uh, have some help. So you did that, which is awesome. So what are the things though you did to be successful, you think in that first year? Okay, here's some advice that, two things that I had advice for, and one's my motto, is the first thing that really helped me is pick up your phone. I really can't stress it enough. If someone's calling you, pick it up. And if you can't pick it up, send them an auto text saying, I will call you right back. Like just that feedback alone gives people confidence that they're like valued. And like I picked up multiple deals just because I pick it up. And some of my customers even joke around saying like, I pick up first ring, like barely first ring. It's like, that's because you're important to me. And like, you know, if you're buying something for half a million dollars, you better believe I'm picking up your phone. Like it's a big deal. Yeah. So my first piece of advice, pick up your phone always. Like don't text, don't just email, pick up the phone. Yeah. One piece of advice someone gave me off the start was feed those who feed you. So like take care of those people who are sending you clients. 
and make sure you're being a good referral partner, like add value to their business so they can add value to your business. Like take care of each other. I found like that. Let me ask you a question about that. I think that's great. Feed those who feed you. So give me an example of somebody who helped feed your business and then how you helped add value to their business. So two different types of people. So one is a financial advisor. So my brother is a financial advisor and he's come across quite a few of his clients this year that needed extra money. And he said, well, why don't you just talk to my brother because there's cheap money out there. So he's sending me deals and he's happy to do that because he's my brother. But I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to just take charity. So I feel like I got to be a good partner. So what I'm doing to people or for people is I'm setting them up with MPP on purchases. If I'm selling an MPP, I say, listen, this is one quote from one company and it's mortgage insurance. You should be talking about life insurance. And here's my brother. So he's been able to sell quite a few life insurance policies this year because I've been able to send him stuff. And I've been able for clients that have sold and then bought something else and excess money, I've been able to send them to him. So he's been able to manage their money for me. Right. So he's happy with all that. And then realtors, I've had some realtors were like, Hey, if I come across any lead that's half decent in your area, I'm going to send it to you. Yeah. So they're thinking, well, he's supporting my business. I better support his business. It's like, yeah, that's how good business partnerships work. Right. So you basically been able to refer back and forth. Okay. So yes. pick up your phone, feed those who feed you. What's the third piece of advice? And this is kind of going to go back to the first one. It's like if your phone isn't ringing, like if you're not getting leads, you need to make other people's phones ring. Like try everything in your power to get good leads in or any leads in plant seeds everywhere. Like do everything until you find your one thing that really works. Okay. So when your phone wasn't ringing, so back in the beginning, what something you did to make other people's phones ring or give me some examples. Again, I like to get, okay. to get into the weeds. So again, I was on internet forums a lot, adding any value I can. And I ended up getting probably 10 deals out of it this year. Another thing I did was I did do Facebook advertisements where they were very specific on who they were targeting to and I would get their information. And so I ended up getting about 650 people click through my leads this year. I turned them off since just because it's just a different type of work managing that stuff. But I ended up closing I don't, probably 10 of those as well. So I was hammering the phones. I had 650 people. I probably talked to half of them and followed up with all those half as well. And I did anything I can just to plant seeds with all these people. And I've had some of these people where I get a Facebook lead from, I never end up doing anything with them, but they refer me to their friends and family. Right, right, right. So I'm just talking to anyone and everyone I can. Right. And you're on the phone again. I love that. The phone is the killer app, man, for the mortgage business. It is. Everybody wants to avoid it, but just embrace it. And that's going to you know, make a big difference. Okay. So I'll ask some rapid fire questions. What's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? Okay, one thing people can't find out about me on Google is I'm an avid hunter. So my wife jokes around that all fall, she's a single lady. She's, yeah, I've heard that. My uncles are all in Newfoundland and they hunt like crazy in the fall. Same thing. They're like, where do you go? What do you hunt? What's your thing? My jam is goose hunting, Canada goose hunting. But goose hunting. I do goose and duck and turkey and deer mostly. My dad hunts a bit. All my uncles, I went hunting once and I shot a duck and I felt really bad about it. And I was like, <laughs> like I love, like, I'm not a vegetarian. I love meat, but I'm like, I just want somebody else to go take care of it. And I'll, I'll yeah, fair enough. But everybody has their thing. Okay. So what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? Limitless. Oh, that's a great movie. Hey, it is such a good movie. And it's a good motivator. Like I'd love that movie. You just need the right drugs to do it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I got dangles with ADD after years of lack of focus. And so my doctor put me on this like very small dose of Adderall. And so my wife's like, is it going to be like limitless? And I'm like, I don't think so. I like, she had these expectations. She's like, okay, I can see a difference, but it's not like 
I'm not writing. Yeah, it's not limitless. It's not limitless. So I have the same problem from my yeah. doctor. <laughs> yeah, but it has definitely helped. Okay, so what's three software programs or digital tools you can't run your business without? Okay, Lender Spotlight. Yeah. You have to have that. Like, it is awesome. And then, of course, got to be your phone. Yeah. Phone is a must. And then email, obviously. Like, I can't live without email. Just organizing it all. And so those are the three main things I use. So what's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? I think you got to read Dustin Woodhouse's books. Okay, I agree. The Be the Better Broker, like volume one, two, and three. Like, it's funny, I read volume one, and it's like everything you should do before your mortgage broker. And like, what's it all about? And I actually did end up following those before I even read the book, which is good. Right. So knowing what you know now, is there anything you do differently? It's pretty hard. If I have, it's kind of like you won the championship. Hey, congratulations, Tom Brady. You got the Super Bowl. What would you do different? Tom's use get the next one. But so what would you say? Would yeah, you that's right. You got to keep the train going, right? If I was going to start again, I started renting an office from our brokerage and I would have done that earlier. Like it is just so good for my headspace. I'm like, this is where work's at and this is where dad life is at. Right. And so I was working at home for the first five months or so. And once I started coming into the office, like it's just well, you very good. Too. Separate. I mean, it depends on your age of your kids. And so you got young kids. So yeah, I can imagine having some space. I moved into an office again recently. I got like an eight by 10 office and it's great. Tyler, it's been awesome to get to know you a bit, man. Like super impressed with what you're doing. I can see that you're going to like continue to make waves in the business. And it's interesting. I talked to a guy once who was in your town where you are been in the business for a long time, not doing the volume you're doing. And his attitude was like, I know lots of underwriting. Why don't people use me? But he was kind of just not that nice. And I was like, it's right. Like I didn't tell him, but I'm like, it's kind of like, it's, you're the problem, dude. You, you got a bad attitude. And he thought he knew everything, right? So is there anything you think I should have asked you or anything else, you know, as we wrap up this conversation? No, I would just say like encouragement to new mortgage brokers, like all the, you know, mortgage agents from my office that are like struggling to get deals. Like you got to get out there and do it. Like there's so much opportunity. If I can come in here year one and do 30 million, like there's so much opportunity. I don't think I affected anybody else's business by joining. Like I think I just carved out what I did. And it's like, there's so much opportunity. Like right, you just got to go out and get it. Yeah. And there's like the banks still have the bulk of the business. I always think collaboration as mortgage brokers is better than competition. So whenever we mm -hmm. collaborate and you're going to grow more. So man, Tyler, it's been awesome. I have to have you back on the show in you know a year or two and see, yeah, Scott, I'm crushing a hundred million now. And you'd be like, got a you know team. So it sounds like you're on the right track, man. So keep it up, brother. Thanks, Scott. All right, that was a fantastic conversation I had with Tyler. You know, when we turned the mic off, we dove into his business a little bit further. And I said to Tyler that he's doing absolutely amazing, but where I can see a potential problem is, is that he's going to run out of growth because he's gonna run out of time. Because of course, each file that you create or you get creates paperwork. And even though he has an assistant right now, the assistant only works part-time and works evenings. And so I said to him, look, if you want to get to 100 files next year, what I recommend is that we actually get that assistant to work with you during the day so that they're actually taking work off your plate and it frees you up to go out and grow your business. Otherwise, your business looks like a roller coaster. So what happens is, you know, I need to get some business. I go out and I hustle, hustle, hustle. And then you're busy, but then you're not prospecting. And then you look at your month and you got one month with 5 million. The next month is like 1 million. And you're like, oh crap, I got to go hustle again. And so you're just doing this up and down. The way to level that out is actually to get good help. And there's two steps to that. The first step is to map your process. I always tell people, if you're somebody else is going to be a cook in your kitchen, you got to have a recipe for them. So 
get that recipe mapped out, and then you need to get the right help in place that can help you. And so yeah, I'm excited to see what Tyler does. If you're listening to this and you're a new mortgage broker and you're like, man, how do I get my business going? Go check out rookie2rockstar.ca. We have a whole program designed around helping you get your business going faster. Check that out and check out this conversation with Ben. Hey, Ben, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, good to be back. So let's talk about a living inheritance. And there's a couple scenarios that you've run into recently that have kind of shed some light on this. And so I'd love to chat about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I mean, I think, you know, most brokers listening to this podcast that, you know, work with first time home buyers, you know, knows with like the recent run up in house prices, it's becoming brutally difficult for young people to get into the housing market. If my stats are correct, I think the average house price in Canada now is almost 700,000. In Toronto and Vancouver, it's over 1.1 million. So you're looking at an average down payment you know, in the big cities, it's over 200,000, right? So like not many young people have that kind of cash lying around. And more and more people are kind of looking to the bank and mom and dad to help support them with that. It totally makes sense. And we've heard some pretty big numbers that the average parent is actually gifting to their children, which they need it or they would never get in. So how would a reverse mortgage play into this? Yeah. So, I mean, the average down payment gift from, you know, the bank of mom and dad to their kids, according to like a recent article from Benjamin Tal from CIBC is $180,000. Okay. Ironically, $180,000 is also the average RRSP balance for Canadian baby boomers. Okay. So they need that money to live on, right? So what if there's no excess there? Like what if the bank Mm -hmm. of mom and dad is dry beyond that? You know, we're looking at a pretty bleak scenario where only the children of high net worth parents are going to be able to buy into the housing market, right? And drive wealth generation through home ownership, which is how you know most Canadians do drive their wealth generation over the course of their lives. So in that scenario, so say the bank of mom and dad is dry and does not have enough resources to pass on to kids in terms of a living inheritance, a reverse mortgage is a really, really powerful solution in that case, right? So parents, they're going to leave their home equity to their children in many cases once they pass away, right? In the form of a traditional inheritance. So the problem with that is that's probably going to be, you know, two to three decades from now. And that's a lot of lost opportunity costs in terms of being able to get into the housing market now if you're a younger person and drive wealth generation from homeownership. Okay, so why don't you give me a scenario where, because what I'm thinking in my head is that imagine you've got a family and they're going to give them an inheritance when they pass away, but they live another 20, 25 years. This other person can't get into the housing market. What is the negative effect of not being able to be a homeowner now? Like they always say the best time to plant a tree is... 20 years ago. And the second best time is today. It's the same thing with real estate. The best time to buy real estate was 20 years ago. Well, you can't go back in time. So then it's today. So for the average, you know, first time buyer, the sooner they get on the property ladder, then they can, you know, benefit from the appreciation. So yeah, why don't you walk me through some numbers that you've kind of done on this? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's just walk through a scenario here. So let's say there's an older parent, we can call him Bob. Okay. Bob has a $500,000 home today. And Bob lives for another 25 years. And his daughter, let's call her Lisa, she inherits the house at that time. So let's assume 5% annual home price appreciation over those 25 years. Lease is going to come into $1.7 million once her father passes away, which is not bad for an inheritance. But now imagine sort of an alternative scenario. Bob takes 20% of his equity out of his home today, and he gifts that to Lisa. So 100K to Lisa in the form of a living inheritance. And that's tax-free, by the way, since it's a down payment gift. So Lisa now leverages that 100K with an 80% loan-to-value mortgage, and she buys her own home worth $500,000. So now the family has two homes, each worth $500,000. Now, in 25 years, Lisa's home is going to be free and clear. She's going to have paid that mortgage off. And after Bob passes away, she sells the inherited home and pays back the reverse mortgage. In that scenario, Lisa's going to be left with $3 million of cash and real estate. 
Okay, so Lisa is going to be 80% wealthier than she would have been had Bob not done that reverse mortgage transaction. So like two times as wealthy, basically. So it really illustrates the power of getting into the housing market today. If you can't do it with a traditional you know, gift of cash resources lying around, a reverse mortgage is a really powerful way to facilitate that transaction and help build wealth for the whole family. And if the average Canadian only has 180K in RSPs, plus if you liquidate those in a year, you pay tax on those as if it's full income. So yeah, exactly. in most cases, it wouldn't make any sense to do that. But to use a mortgage or a reverse mortgage in this case would make a lot of sense. And then Bob can still live there, no payments, right? No payments and live there as long as he wants. Long as he wants. Okay. So basically the key benefit here is obviously the use of that equity today to get into the home ownership and makes a huge difference for the client. So if you have a client that has access to equity, but doesn't want a monthly payment, because you know a lot of times their cash flow is not that high, depending on their situation, then this could be an amazing way to do it. So any kind of yeah. final thoughts on this? Yeah. You know, alternatively, if you have a younger client who's having trouble coming up with a down payment, you know, suggest they talk to their parents about a reverse mortgage and highlight kind of that math that we walked through. You know, it can really be a game changer for, you know, the overall family's wealth prospects. Right. If you're the broker, just say to the client, hey, how much do your parents like you? This is a great line to use. <laughs> like, how much do your parents like you? What do you mean? Well, you can't qualify for the house that you want to get or the property, you know, because a lot of times parents help out their kids. And there's options that even have no payments if your parents don't want a payment, right? So it could be a way for you to have that conversation with your clients about just finding how much do they like you and we'll go from there. So if you guys are listening to this, Ben, this is a great example of a use of a reverse mortgage that keeps Bob in his house, helps Lisa get into a property and the whole family's better off. If you guys are listening to this, go check out bloomfin.ca. The guys there will help you out, help you put these things together. He's got a great team. They're very tech oriented and I think you guys are going to like them. So thanks again, Ben, for coming on. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks again, Ben, for uh, taking the time to share this about the living inheritance and how that works and how brokers are using reverse mortgages. I do believe that in the next five to 10 years, you're going to see reverse mortgage markets going to just explode because aging population, increasing equity, and it's a tool It's not for every situation, but it is an amazing tool for you to have as a mortgage broker. Also, Bloom pays like 200 basis points on a file, which is crazy. So check them out. And if you're listening to this, you're like, hey, you know, how do I improve my mortgage business? We have a power search tool. So you can go check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com and you can set up a free account to do a power search tool, which basically allows a keyword search hundreds and hundreds of past episodes. And it's free and it's amazing. So go check that out, ilovemortgagebrokering.com. And thanks again for checking out this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.